Chapter 20 of Percy Wynne or Making a Boy of Him. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Nicole Christin. Percy Wynne or Making a Boy of Him by Francis J. Finn. Introduces an extraordinary newcomer to percy and the reader the gentleman rose somewhat awkwardly it must be admitted as percy entered percy said the president this is mr burdock percy made his inimitable bow mr burdock he said his face suffused with blushes i am happy to make your acquaintance the gentleman shook his hand warmly and the accompanying look expressed his gratitude more than any number of fine phrases there was a slight pause a pause that promised to become oppressive but here the child came bravely to the rescue oh i say percy you and me don't have to be what do you call it introduced suggested percy that's the word i couldn't get it it's so long my name is frank and i like you like anything this novel of vovo set the whole party laughing and relieved the awkwardness which naturally enough mr burdock felt in the presence of his beardless boy defender frank during the laugh was shaking percy's hand and derived such supreme enjoyment from this very simple performance that he kept it up for over a minute percy said mr burdock at length i must confess that i feel somewhat embarrassed just now but i thank you from my heart for the lesson you have unconsciously taught me people say that i am a scholar that i give much of my time to books but i don't mind telling you in the presence of your president that i have learnt from you many things more beautiful than my best writers have taught me to-morrow i leave st maurice for good i'm sorry you're going sir said percy for i hope to see more of frank upon this frank seized percy's hand again and shook it warmly i'm glad to hear that said mr murdoch smiling and so am i said the little fellow still shaking percy's hand for i'm going to stay with you percy papa is going to let me be a boarder oh indeed i'm so glad nothing would do frank after what happened yesterday put in mr murdoch but to come to school at st maurice college this was rather hard on me he added turning to the president with a smile for i have spent the last ten years in abusing religion in general and catholicity with catholic training in particular but i have changed all that the last twenty-four hours percy and two friends who came to his assistance have levelled all my objections by the way where are those two boys percy i think they are gone walking sir well i hope to see them some day and thank them and now reverend father there's one other point i should have touched upon my boy has no religion 
Oh, exclaimed Percy, unable to conceal his dismay. But my ideas, continued Mr. Burdock, are changed on that subject too. If Frank desires, he may now choose for himself. Have you got religion, Percy? asked Frank, gravely. Oh, yes, indeed. Well then, Papa, I want to get Percy's religion. No matter whether it's right or wrong, asked the father. This puzzled little Frank for a moment, but he brightened as he made answer. Oh, I'm sure it's right. If it can make a boy be as nice and kind and brave as Percy, it can't be very wrong. Don't you think that's a fact, Papa? Well, no matter. You may choose for yourself, Frank, but try to understand what you are choosing and why. You may be sure, said the president gravely, that he will not become a Catholic unless he really desires it. Not then, even unless he fully believes those truths which we hold necessary. I trust you fully, Reverend Father. Now, Frank, as I wish to have some talk in private with the president, I shall leave you in Percy's hands. Come on, Frank, said Percy. I'll show you the yard and everything. Goodbye, Mr. Burdock. Goodbye, my boy. Again, let me thank you. You have done me more service than you can realize. You are one of nature's noblemen. Oh, dear me, exclaimed Percy. You're quite welcome. I'm sure, but it isn't worth mentioning. That's what you say. Now, Frank, my little boy, goodbye. He raised Frank in his arms and kissed him fondly. And, ugh, ugh, God bless you. It was with difficulty the strong man uttered these words, and his voice trembled as he spoke. He's my child, my only child, he added, turning away and bowing his head. My only child, and his mother is dead. Every word of this utterance told a tale of tears and of years of abiding sorrow and love. Oh, poor Frank, cried Percy, his eyes melting with pity. Come away, Frank. Your papa will become only more sad if you remain longer. As the door shut them from the room, Frank broke into sobs. That's right, Frank. Have a good cry, said Percy sympathetically. I can easily imagine how sad it is to part from so kind a father. Oh, he always was so good and so kind to me, sobbed the child. He never spoke an unkind word to me. Oh, Papa, Papa! Percy was all sympathy and love, scarcely fourteen himself, and but little more than a child among those of his own age at St. Morris. He from that time took upon himself the office of protector to Frank. I am sure your Papa is good. I can see it, he said. I like him ever so much myself, and I noticed too how very sorry he was to leave you. And, and, did you hear what he said? inquired Frank, eagerly as he checked his sobs. What was that? He said, God bless you. Percy was puzzled. I never heard him use that sort of talk before, continued Frank. What? You don't say so? Percy was more astonished than words or looks could express. 
the idea that the simple phrase god bless you should be a novelty to anyone was to him something almost inconceivable he paused at the lower end of the hall they had thus far been walking along slowly and kindly brushed the tears from frank's cheek frank burdock could hardly be ten years old he was small even for that age and quite slightly made while his features were regular they were not of that faultless order wherein every lineament is so striking that nothing strikes on the contrary his forehead and deep chestnut eyes were worthy of more than a passing glance looking at these features one could see that he united to the simplicity of the child the quiet serious thoughtful expression so rare in one of his years his face indeed was eminently intellectual now a boy of ten with an intellectual face is something unusual frank was an unusual boy his training it is worthy of remark had been abnormal before he was well able to walk he had lost his mother and to educate this only child this dear relic of an intense affection the surviving parent had devotedly set himself but mr murdoch unhappily had for years previous been a pronounced infidel and so while carefully instructing frank in such branches of secular learning as were fitted for a child not yet in his teens he had entirely neglected the religious element frank's code of morality was love your father and love your friends to him the words god religion virtue were almost meaningless what such a course of instruction would ultimately had led to it is unpleasant to speculate upon but happily for himself frank was as yet undeveloped his passions had not gained their strength while the sorrows of a child are indeed poignant they have this redeeming feature that they pass quickly and so when percy conducted frank to the small yard some few minutes after the leave-taking between father and son the little fellow had become quite tranquil now said percy i'm going to introduce you to some of my friends they're all the nicest kind of boys there's tom playfair standing by the parallel bars we must have a talk with him tom i think is one of the best boys living he isn't any better than you percy is he oh yes indeed he's worth a hundred like me answered percy sincerely i don't think so frank made answer and giving out each word with great deliberation and i won't believe it till it's proved papa says we are not to believe things till they are proved percy laughed as he conducted frank over to tom tom here's a new boy allow me to introduce you to frank burdock happy christmas frank said tom shaking the newcomer's hand seems to me i've seen you before maybe you did i used to go to school uptown oh you did did you i reckon i must have run up against you when i was uptown buying shoes i wear out a pair sometimes in two weeks it takes percy about six years well i hope you like saint maurice i'm sure i will percy here and donal and keenan i think that's their names are splendid boys 
Oh, said Tom, recognizing in Frank the little boy whose cause Percy had championed. I think you like the boys here better than the boys you used to go to school with. At these words, Frank's eyes flashed while his whole countenance darkened. The boys in the village school? I hate them. He stamped his foot on the ground and his delicate frame trembled with passion. Why, Frank, said Percy, you must be joking. What? exclaimed Frank. Don't you hate them? Indeed, no. It was Frank's turn to be astonished. Not after the mean way they treated you. We should never allow ourselves to hate people, said Percy in gentle accents. And besides, those poor fellows may not have been taught better. I don't care, answered Frank, clinching his fists and speaking with much excitement. They ought to know better anyhow. And if I had a gun, I'd, I'd shoot that big, ugly buck. I would, sure. Oh, you young blood and thunder, exclaimed Tom, laughing. You'll change your mind before you're much older. But I won't. I wish Buck and every one of those roughs were dead. Yes, and buried too. And I wouldn't want them to have any tombstones either and nothing but an old wooden coffin. I hate em. I hate all people who treat me or my papa mean, and I love everybody who loves us. Here his face and tone softened, and he glanced affectionately at Percy. But it's wrong to hate, Percy said, by way of answer to his glance. And do you know, old fellow, said Tom with much gravity, that you're an out-and-out Jew and no Christian at all. You want an eye for an eye. Oh, Tom, broke in Percy, opening his eyes very wide and speaking with great earnestness and solemnity. Least Tom should think he was joking. He doesn't know a thing about religion. Tom whistled, braced himself by spreading out his feet very wide and thrusting his hands deep into his pockets. That's so, assented Frank, but I'm going to get a religion like Percy's. Have you got the same kind as Percy's, Tom? Well, rejoined Tom coolly, I believe it's pretty much of the same kind of make. But I say, Frank, do you know what Christmas means? Oh, yes, it's a great day for presents and a big dinner with turkey and cranberry sauce and plum pudding. Oh, you young heathen! Frank's eyes expressed perplexity. What's that, Tom? he asked. Percy laughed as he said, Well, Frank, would you like to know what Christmas really is? I want to know everything you know, Frank made answer with much gravity. Good boy, Frank, said Tom, clapping him on the back. You're going in for a liberal education and no mistake. But suppose, Percy, we go over to the chapel and show him the crib first. And while we are going there, you can tell him all about Christmas. The two made for the chapel, and on the way thither, Frank listened with no little interest and surprise to the account of the Christ child's birth. In the chapel, he gazed long and intently upon the pretty Christmas crib, which had just been set up, and his features evinced that he was both delighted and impressed. Look, 
whispered Percy, pointing to the waxen figure of the divine babe. Do you know what became of him? What, Percy? In the end, he gave himself up to suffer a cruel death for the sake of his enemies. Frank gazed and pondered. Say, boys, he said presently, catching the hands of Percy and Tom. If I say anything very queer, now and then you won't mind me, will you? I don't want to say anything against your religion. You're changing already, old fellow, said Tom, as they stepped out of the chapel. You're neither a Jew nor a heathen. You're yourself and nobody else. Hello, here's Mr. Middleton. You must make his acquaintance, old boy, for he's to be your prefect. But before Tom could go through the formalities of an introduction, Mr. Middleton assumed the initiative himself. Why, isn't this Frank Burdock, he exclaimed, catching Frank's hand in all cordiality. I'm glad to see you. You're in my yard, you know, and I hope you'll feel at home from the start. Frank gazed up into the kind face of the prefect. I hope so too, he assented. Mr. Middleton, why do you wear a gown? I don't like to dress like ordinary people, but you'll understand these things better by and by. Percy, attend to Frank during supper. He may sit next to you. Afterwards, bring him to me. I want to give him his place in the study hall and dormitory. And Mr. Middleton departed. He's a nice man, was Frank's comment, even if he does like to dress funny. I like his face too. He doesn't seem to be very rich, does he? Oh, you are a Jew, sure enough, said Tom. But what makes you think him poor? That old gown he had on. It ought to be black, I suppose, but it was green in spots. And then the thing he ties it around his waist with looks like, well, it looks something like going to seed. You're right, Frank, said Tom. He is poor. He hasn't a cent in the world. He must spend his money as fast as he earns it then. He doesn't earn any money. He works for nothing. A look of displeasure expressed itself upon the features of Frank. You're teasing me, he said, and turned away towards Percy. No, he isn't, said Percy. It's quite true. Mr. Middleton doesn't receive one cent of salary. Is he crazy? Oh, dear, no. He's working for the love of God. The expression on Frank's countenance at this announcement was one of infinite perplexity. He shut his eyes and pondered deeply, but his imagination seemed to be inadequate to the strong call made upon it. Let's take a run out in the fresh air, he suggested. Certainly, assented the two. They had scarcely gained their playground when Frank, who had been looking about eagerly, suddenly brightened and clapped his hand look there they are and he ran forward to greet donald and keenan oh how do you do i'm so glad to see you again i go to school here too and my name's frank burdock how are you yourself answered john swinging the little fellow into the air you see i want to take a good look at you that's why i'm holding you up to the light i'm john donald and I'm George Keenan, said the other, catching Frank by the legs and bringing him to earth again. For several moments, Frank looked at George and John, 
as though something very heavy was weighing upon his youthful bosom. At length he spoke, Are you two in a higher class than Percy and Tom? We are, answered both solemnly. Well then, I want to ask you a question. Is it very hard? asked John. No. Don't you hate Buck? Certainly not, answered John. Suppose he were drowning in the river, continued Frank with an air of anxiety. Would you jump in to save him? Well, if I thought I had a fair chance to save his life, I certainly would. You would? Yes. What would you do? Frank's eyes flashed. I'd throw a brick bat at him. End of chapter 20